1: Who's with me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah! All right. Let's do this people. Live from Joe's mom's basement. It's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Oh my God. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And you know, down here in the basement, every Friday, we've got to trick ourselves to not start partying until after we're done podcasting. Well, today we're talking about how to trick yourself into saving money. And to help us save more, let's welcome a woman. We're sure we must've had to trick to join us from the Michelle is money hungry podcast. It's Michelle Jackson and from LenPenzo.com. It's the actual social butterfly. No, I'm just kidding. He's still quarantining. It's just Len Penzo. And today, we jump into your human resources department with the evil HR lady. Those hairdressers that had coronavirus, we'll talk about what they may mean for your job. And we'll magnify a listener's money. Of course, we're also going to socialize you with some of my fantastic trivia. And now, the king of socially awkward situations,
0: Joe Salcihi. We're gonna try to make this as awkward as ever for a Friday. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to another weekend. Let me be the first to welcome you. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and what? a great show we have for you today, because we are going to be tricking you before the weekend into saving as much money as you possibly can. And we'll introduce our special guest last. I think we'll start uh, deep under Los Angeles where the social butterfly himself is. I like how Doug called you that, Mr. Lampenzo.
3: I have, because I'm getting worried about the second wave going around of that uh, coronavirus. So I put in this 10 million micron HEPA, triple HEPA filter. And I almost suffocated down in the bunker. I had to take the thing out. It's It, it's, it was stopping everything, even the oxygen
0: from getting into, stop, the,
1: into the room. <laughs>
0: hey, the bad news, you would have died. But the good news is you wouldn't <laughs> have died from coronavirus. So there you go. <laughs> would have been good. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on, depends on how they do the statistics. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. They might throw you in there just for fun. And a guy coming to us again from uh, the suburbs of the state of Chicago, Illinois. It's our friend Doc G.
4: Hey, what's going on? You know, speaking of tricking ourselves, I've been tricking myself that every day is Friday because, you know, since we haven't been leaving the house much, every night is Friday night. It's just that's that's how we roll around here.
0: We went to a restaurant right after they opened up in the state of Michigan. And it was a Tuesday at noon. And I swear to God, it was Friday at five in my head. <laughs> it was so <laughs> Friday at five in my head, dude. It was, it was incredible. Uh, what's happening over at Earn and Invest, by the way?
4: You know, busy as always. You know, Monday panels, Thursday individual interviews, just trying to figure out what's happening next in our lives, how we earn and invest, move forward and uh, create Better lives for ourselves.
0: If you figure that out, let me know, please, because I wonder that every day. And the it woman has to do with thinking every day is Friday.
4: That's that's a start.
0: <laughs> that's right. And here she is, here to save the podcast. We're so happy she's back. It's been too long. Michelle Jackson from Michelle's Money Hungry is back. How are you?
5: I am well. It is five o'clock somewhere, and as soon as we're done, I'll have a cocktail in my hand. You don't have one now. No, because they don't have it at my co-working
0: space. Oh. That I'm <laughs> you can tell who the long timers are here because Len and I are ready. And it's 630 <laughs> in the morning as we record this. I'm doing it wrong. You, you are doing it wrong. So tell everybody about Michelle is Money Hungry because you have a ton of fun over there.
5: Um, I try to have fun. Um, It's not about the whole greed is good situation. If you're old enough to remember that line. Um, I'm all about talking about money, lifestyle design, and I'm a huge, huge fan of slow fire. And I feel vindicated that I slow fired before the freaking pandemic.
0: Now we have people in this audience that have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Slow fire (laughs) sounds like you're setting the neighborhood on fire, but you're doing a little bit at a time. So what does slow fire mean? Uh, You know
5: what? I'm glad you said that because uh, actually that's a kind of loaded thing to say right now. Um, (laughs) Slow fire is financial independence, retire early. And for the last five years, I have just kind of lived my best life in the most awkward sort of financial way. And I didn't have to have a lot of conversations with people when the Rona happened because I was already working from home for myself. So um, we could get more into it, but that's the, sh- the short and dirty.
0: Well, and I love that because I feel like too many people are saving for a future that might not ever come, Right. I mean, they well, yeah. they spend their whole time doing nothing today, so that they can get something later on, and and then you know it it never happens. Well, we got a great show today, guys. We've got Michelle here to save the show. We got Doc G. We got Len. So let's get this party started. Hello,
2: darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show: our stacking Benjamin's headlines.
0: Well, today to kick this off, we found a fantastic piece from uh, the website Moneyning, which is a fantastic uh, site that's been around. Michelle's been around for a long time, hasn't it?
5: It's been around for a while.
0: Um, I don't even know for how long. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, because you and I have been in this community together for, I'm going to say, eight, nine years, and David was already well established by then.
5: Yeah, because I've been in the community since 2012. God, that's so long. Let's not talk about that.
0: That's funny because that's 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 when we started this podcast. So I might have been here, but uh, Len, you might know Uh, David Ning. Any idea when he started? Money Ning? Well,
3: I started in 08, and he was there before. And I remember going to our LA bloggers groups and meeting him. I mean, so yeah, I mean, he's and he was big when I started in 08. I mean, he had started. I mean, he had quite a following. So. It's at least two or three years before me.
0: Well, we thought this was a fantastic piece. And here to help us read it, our celebrity reader, speaking about FI, a woman who is all about financial independence. Our celebrity reader today is uh, Jennifer Ma.
2: Hi, this is Jennifer Ma, money coach, consultant, freelancer, and she's a FI community manager with an article from moneyming.com. Nine ways to trick yourself into saving money. Are you a spending monster who wished you were a saving technician? Or do you want to know how to teach your kids to become a saver rather than a spender? If you answered yes to either, or you're just so bored anything will do this minute, the article is for you. Confession of the aha money-saving moment. I have to confess that I didn't discover this secret until I was sitting in front of my computer with nothing to write about. I was staring at that white screen at the time and was actually thinking about golf. One thing led to another, and when my mind wandered upon why I wanted to play so badly, it dawned on me that it was because of my good performance of late. My desire for golf was heightened by the success I was having. I wanted to feel good, and golfing gave me that feeling. I was a recipient of positive influence. Positive influence in becoming a snowball saver. Like a snowball rolling down a slope, positive influence can help give us a jumpstart along the path to prosperity. I still remember my first savings account and seeing my tiny account balance grow. The numbers were increasing at a snail pace, but they were definitely going up. It was fun to see all those charts that trend upwards as I recall. I was young, but I already saw the benefits of saving. As the activity section was filled with transactions, I started associating happiness to saving money. Not eating that candy bar with the other kids had all of a sudden became okay. When I grew up, so did seeing all my friends buy high priced TVs without getting one myself. Incorporating positive influence into your daily habits. If you're already a saver, then you agree that saving can be a source of happiness. If you're a spender, though, Most of the usual advice of saving money won't work because you just don't see the benefit. And don't get me wrong, I know saving money is hard work, and I'm a saver by nature. Even if you try to save, it's not uncommon to get to the end of the month with nothing left. And those funds you have sitting in that traditional savings account? Don't expect them to grow astronomically because interest rates are at an all-time low. If you're having trouble saving, then try to incorporate these money moves that will trick you into stashing away your hard-earned funds before you know it. One, establish an envelope system. Stop swiping and start using cash. To implement the envelope system, you'll need to come up with a plan for your money and allocate it to the appropriate envelope. Say, for example, your monthly budget allots $200 for groceries, $50 for entertainment, and $100 for savings. You'll need to stash those amounts away in envelopes as soon as the funds hit your hand. Once the money's gone from the envelopes, You have to wait until the next pay period to access additional funds. Two, use automatic deposits to your advantage. Not disciplined enough to follow the envelope system? Visit your payroll office to automatically have a certain amount from each check deposited into an alternative account. It's best to go with an online account that's not easily accessible to eliminate the urge to make withdrawals. The more steps it takes to withdraw the money, the better. Three, save your raises. Received a pay raise recently? Kudos to you, but don't run off and accumulate more expenses, especially if you've lived comfortably on your existing income. Instead, save the excess income and watch how quickly it grows. A pay increase shouldn't automatically equate to a lifestyle change, especially if you're having a difficult time saving money. Even the smallest amounts, such as $20 each week, can add up rather quickly. Four, stash away windfalls. How about those irregular sources of income, such as work bonuses and income tax refunds that sometimes provide a slight boost to your cushion? Instead of blowing the money on expensive gadgets or a shopping spree, deposit it into an interest-earning account. But if you have a more demanding obligation that needs your attention, don't hesitate to use your windfall wisely. 5. Keep the change. Each time you spend money, set the change aside and watch it grow. Once the month ends, tally up all your deposits from both your checking account, which can be kept on a spreadsheet, and your Ziploc bags. The amount you've accumulated may surprise you. Another note, this should be done after you've stashed away your set amount each pay period, just in case your variable expenditures for the month are much lower than expected. Six, pay debts that no longer exist. While you may be a bit confused by the title, following this tip is a no-brainer. Once you've finally paid off those credit cards or auto loans, Continue making payments as if you still owe on them. Instead of paying your lender, though, put the payments into your bank account. This will help you quickly boost your savings rather than find other things to spend money on. 7. Build an emergency fund with a savings account. Start small, but start saving. Forget about investment accounts and any investments that may go down. Open an online savings account. Put some money in there and start watching that money grow. 8 reward yourself when you make milestones, set some goals, and as you reach them, give yourself a small reward. It could be a nice dinner with your loved ones or new golf clubs. Whatever it is, make sure to spend within your means. Nine, check those stats. Look at that account balance periodically. Let your family know how much money you saved since you started making an effort to increase your financial resources. You will feel good about the progress and that in turn will help you save more. The hardest part of all, Congratulations, because you've already accomplished the toughest part of all of this, finding out about it. Now all you have to do is start. Once that snowball begins to roll, you'll just continue rolling and rolling. Thanks for that, Jennifer. I thought, guys, we'd take these in order,
0: if it's all right with you. And let's start with the first one that Jennifer read about, which was establishing an envelope system. Have any of the three of you done that? Nope. Not me. Not me.
5: I'm pausing because I've had an envelope system, but now that we really can't touch money, that would be a no. (laughs) But you can totally set up a digital envelope system. So I would be down with that if I felt like saving that way again.
0: That's that's what I did, Michelle, was I use an envelope system that's always been digital, where I set myself parameters for each uh, part of my budget and then as it comes out using uh I use the Tiller program it automatically categorizes things and it goes against that top that I have so I know when the envelope's empty when the category gets filled up do you like that type of budgeting michelle
5: i do but it doesn't work well for me because my life changes so much and what i want changes and where i need to focus changes you know weekly so A lot of people are joking about how their grocery bill is like three times the amount right now than normal so maybe my envelope would be totally decimated if i had planned it one way but now we're living a completely different way so i i prefer not to use a a envelope system right now Um, i do more of an intuitive you know spending situation where it just depends on the week and i try to have an overview of what's going to happen during the week. And then I allocate things weekly versus having a set amount for the month. Also because I work for myself.
0: Doc, how come you don't use an envelope system in your family?
5: So we've
4: always been more than non-budgeter type. So the way I think about it is we always spent as little as possible but never went as far as going through the categories. We also paid ourselves first, right? So we made sure that our 401ks and our IRAs and all of that was stocked first. And then whatever was left over, we used as little of it as possible. So I'm one of those strange people where we never went through and really budgeted. In fact, one of our best ways of Saving was that since we had two incomes before we had
0: children, we just saved one income and spent the other. I was just about to ask you that. Is the reason why you didn't have to budget that closely because income wasn't ever a problem?
4: So, yeah, I was definitely lucky. I was privileged enough to come out of medical school without a lot of debt. And my wife had fairly minimal debt that she paid off within the first year or two. So we were lucky in that sense that we didn't have all these set costs. Now, eventually we had home payments and grocery bills and all those things adults get, but by that time we were lucky enough to have two incomes and after finishing residency, the doctor income goes up quite a bit. So it was a more a matter of being disciplined than specifically making sure you stayed within a budget for each category.
0: That was the thing for me, Len, when I was very broke, the envelope system, well, and initially I actually did for a few months when it got really, really bad, use the envelope because there wasn't going to be enough money to meet all the, there just wasn't going to be enough. So I needed to make sure there was at least something in every envelope, but it seems like this envelope system is better for people where it's really close to the bone than people where income isn't an issue.
3: Yeah, I, you know what? I, this is what I want my son to do when uh, he finally gets out on his own. I, I think because you know, he's uh, he has a little trouble holding on to his money, and this is a perfect way when you're out on your own to help you. It kind of forces you to budget, and it's, it, I think it's for people who are really, really having a hard time saving. This is your first – this is the crawling method. It's going to work. And it's might be overkill, but I think it's a godsend for people who have trouble saving money.
0: See, see, and I would think having met the honeybee, your spouse, that she'd be a big fan of the envelope method. <laughs> you know what? Back when
3: we were first starting out, we didn't do this. We just, we, we had a budget, but we, uh, we've had, we've been using a spreadsheet, so it was kind of digital. We had everything tracked by spreadsheet and we just knew, and then after a while we had our budget memorized. I mean, it was just all became automatic after a few months. It was, you know what I'm saying? We didn't have to get to the extreme of the envelopes because we were both the honeybee and I are both natural savers.
0: No, I guess I meant that I met her and I've met you and I thought she was going to get a big envelope, put you in it and seal it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give,
3: no, don't give her any.
0: (laughs) But, but I have known you a long time, Len. And I do know that the second one on this list that Jennifer read Use automatic deposits to your advantage is a big way that you got ahead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that um,
3: <laughs> you can allocate your money into these deposits and you never see it. And And whether it's spend or it's save or it's income and it's going to a savings account, it makes things so much more painless. So yes, automatic deposits is the way to go.
0: Well, and now that I think about it, Michelle, I've heard you talk about this one too, about just make it automatic so that you can, you talk about your fluid budget, that you can have a more fluid budget because the savings is happening automatically.
5: I just think that a lot of us don't have the self-control needed to manually do these savings habits. So to have it automated is so wonderful. And nowadays there's so many tools that you can use, savings apps, that kind of thing. It's crazy not to use them. It's a mindless thing. And I love them. I love, I love doing it automatically and you can allocate the money towards debt. What have you? It's awesome.
0: Not to foreshadow doc, but is that the best one on the list of this whole list? Is that the best one? It definitely is the one i
4: most connected with. And in fact, if you look at it in contrast to the first one with the envelope method, see, I always looked at it the opposite way. And maybe this is because we always had these two incomes. I always figured automatically put both of our monies into our 401ks, then decide how much we wanted to invest every month and have that automatically go to our brokerage house and investments and whatever is left over had to really suffice. So we kind of did it the opposite way, but that's what we ended up doing for most of, especially our younger years when it was tighter.
0: Did you then automatically do number three on this list, save your raises? Generally, we did. And the reason why,
4: again, was just because we didn't find that we needed them. Yeah. So it was all, if we only spent what we really felt we needed, there was none of this growing to fill our
3: britches, so to speak,
4: right? As more money came in, it didn't really change our needs very much.
3: Michelle, how do you think Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. No, I, was gonna say, I think number three is the most important one. That's what I did. I, to me, just over the years, I mean, that was so important. You save your raises and you don't see those raises going, you know, you just put them into a savings account or your 401k or what have you. It's so painless. And before you know it, after four or five years, I mean, you are socking the money away and you don't even, I mean, it's just painless and it's, it's, to me, that is the number one for me, well, save the raises.
0: Well, what I like about that, Len, is you're already comfortable in your lifestyle, right? You're already comfortable with your lifestyle, so you save the raise. You just gave your future lifestyle a raise. Yeah,
3: Oh, I'm, that, to me, that's the big
0: one. But Michelle, as self-employed people, you and I don't have that ability. How do you do the save your raises one if you're self-employed?
5: This one's tricky because I think you have to set a base amount that you're going to earn every month, like have a, a set goal so that you can also have a set goal in re- relation to what you're going to save. And in my view, I almost feel like we should have a different conversation, which is earn more <laughs> Yeah. Uh, because there are a lot of people who are, who are like, look. I don't know what you people are talking about. I can't save for, like, I'm unable to save. I was about to say a bad word. Maybe the conversation is really like, maybe you need to earn more so that you can even do these things.
0: There's two things there, Michelle, that I'd like to talk about. The first one, as a self-employed person, I like what you said about establish a set amount and then save the rest. Because when I would work with self-employed people when I back when I was a financial planner, is we would have people's up and down paychecks when they get paid, you know, if they're self-employed or if they are based on commission, we'd set it in a separate account and then we'd set up an, an automatic number that's the same amount, just the money they're going to live in into a checking account that they spend. And then all the excess always added up in this other account. So then you didn't live this boom bust lifestyle. Cause what I've found is that people, you know, they get this big check in, and they've been living on ramen noodles the last three months because they didn't have any money. And all of a sudden it's huge steak dinner and a big screen TV and they screw <laughs> over the next three months and they can't do anything. So I like that. But the second thing about earn more money, there were so many times where you were right on the ball that, that people are trying to clip coupons. They're trying to find the little thing. They're reading Len Penzo's uh, sandwich study and going with the cheese sandwich, which I don't know if you know this, Michelle, is borderline child abuse. Somebody told us that. <laughs> A grilled cheese sandwich, grill it. You got to grill it. Yes. I'm lactose
5: intolerant. (laughs) I can't have
0: it. (laughs) Well, it's Michelle abuse too then. So, but they're going with the cheese sandwich instead of the BLT, which costs a lot more. But, but actually my point is, people are trying to save these dimes when Michelle, I mean, study after study shows that if you ask your boss for a raise, maybe not today with all the crap going on, but during a normal time, your boss often wants to give you a raise, but you never asked.
5: Literally, I I just think that we look at all the small things versus the big financial decisions. So where you live, how much you're spending for that, how much your car is, those giant decisions, those giant financial decisions, I think, play a huge part in terms of what you can save. So I use a car share, actually. So I'm not paying like thousands of dollars for a car, like for car maintenance and upkeep and all that. That saved money can be saved for retirement. Now, if I had kids, that'd be different. I'd have to have a car, but I don't have kids right now. So this year I'll pay a $1,000, including road trips for transportation. And that saves me probably about $3,500 in um, car expenses that I could put into investments or whatever I want to do.
0: I love that idea, and that's number six on this list, pay debts that no longer exist. So you cut the cable, you get rid of the car. That's really effective. Doc, I want to go to you for number four here, which was stash away your windfalls. That seems to be the hard one for me because you get the you get this money and I don't and I don't care if it's the lottery or an inheritance because I didn't make that money and somebody else did that feels like let's go to the virgin islands money to me
4: well you know it's the power of compounding and we all know this right the most simple financial principle but it's true you get a windfall especially if you're young That windfall can keep paying you for the rest of your life. Like why blow it all? Especially let's say a grandparent or a parent dies and you're in your twenties or thirties or even forties, you know, that money can make you financially stable and be paying you for the rest of your life. If used appropriately, you know, if you use it immediately and you get rid of it, it's gone. You'll never see it again.
0: But it's hard to remind yourself of that. Michelle or Len, have you guys ever gotten a windfall? No,
5: (laughs) not, not like a major windfall. Yeah. Yeah. This is an experience I know not.
0: Yeah, me, me neither. My, you know, my rule is
3: when it comes to three and four, you, you don't do both. You do one or the other. So you save your raises and you spend your windfalls or you go ahead and, you know, don't save your raises, but then you stash away your windfalls. So, and, and then we always spent our windfalls. So, and that included income tax refunds or, or surprise, you know, money that we got from who knows, I can't remember all our windfalls. We've got over the years, but, but we always spent our windfalls.
0: So put a different way, Len, you saved your raise and blew the money. When grandma died. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
3: too soon now that's a huge windfall is it too soon <laughs> <laughs> maybe not in my case it wasn't but no but i mean for some people no i wouldn't <laughs> if it was like a huge windfall i not no but something small you know a few thousand dollar income tax refund heck man if you if you've got gotcha. go ahead and vacation
0: yeah if all the goals are in place
3: yeah if you've done everything else you're saving your you've got to have some fun right because i'll tell you what this does get counter productive if you go a little overzealous in your saving
0: you got to have some fun too what do you mean by counterproductive?
3: Well, you save everything and you have no fun. You're eating macaroni and cheese and beans and rice and you're not going anywhere and you're, you know, you're stuck in the house because you don't want to spend one single. cent. Si- I mean, life, you know, there's more to life than saving. Life is about living too, right? You got to enjoy life. Uh, it's, it's everything in balance.
0: But, but you've had well, people, you've had people, Doc, on Earn and Invest who live the lifestyle that Len's talking about where they 're saving every penny for this delayed gratification, what do you find out when you have these people on your show is there d- Do they just like living on nothing or is it a problem in their head? Is it so we
4: did an episode on fat fire right so fat financial dependents retire early, this idea of living on a lot of money right having a huge amount. When we really got down to it, we had four different participants and they spent anything from $30,000 a year to $200,000 a year. And most of them were just about as happy. So I will tell you that I've found that people who dig frugality find ways to still travel and do things they find and think are luxurious without spending a lot of money. And then when they do decide to spend a little, they really appreciate it. I will tell you, as they get more and more financially secure over time, they tend to relax a touch. But they do really enjoy when they do spend money. So there's an argument also that if you don't make it a regular habit, those times when you do spend a little extra, you tend to really savor.
5: I have expensive taste. I can verify that this is the case. So I have expensive taste. I like certain things, but I'm not enjoying them all the time purposefully. And it's not a problem. I don't feel lack. I just wait until you know, the right moment. So maybe in July, I'm going to go for a fancy sushi dinner and I'm going to spend some good money on it and I'm going to enjoy every bite, but no, I'm not going to go to like Chipotle 15 times during the year. So it's one of those, like I, I make these very deliberate choices so that I can enjoy it a hundred percent and not, you know, second guess the choice.
0: I was going to make like a Chipotle cleansing joke, but I can't come up with oh. the right. <laughs> Sorry. <Ew. laughs> Sorry. Uh, number five on here. Keep the change. I use my bank app has has the roundup. Uh, I think, I think using this roundup app, it doesn't give you a lot of money, but man has given us vacation money, you know, which is, which is great. I love that one. Build an emergency fund with a savings account is a pretty obvious one. Reward yourself when you make milestones, I think has a lot to do, Michelle, with what you were talking about to uh not live this boom bust lifestyle and pay yourself enough as you go i wanna I wanna get to the bottom here, this last one. Jennifer read that David wrote to check your stats. look at the account balance periodically. It seems to me, doc, that that could be a big f- mistake. <laughs> you know, I think it
4: depends where you are, but If you're doing the appropriate planning and you've decided for your time and place in life how much money you want in each bucket, whether it's retirement or stocks or bonds or real estate or whatever you're doing, I think it's counterproductive to check too often. Because obviously, as we all know, the stock market goes up and down, the real estate market goes up and down. I don't know if you benefit yourself in the short term. I think it makes sense to follow your net worth on a semi-regular basis, whether that's every six months or three months or 12 months. Everyone has to decide what's right for them. I would only check it more often if you really need that money for something. Or if you have a landmark, you really have to hit. But then, of course, you should be very conservative with that money, and it shouldn't be changing much if you need it for some time soon. So it can be counterproductive if it becomes itself a game and and what you're looking forward to as opposed
0: to what it really should be is a means to live life. Michelle, is this a case of know yourself then?
5: Yes. So recently, a family member of mine told me that they sold some of their stocks because they kind of watched the, the market tank uh, and then the market went back up. And I had said to them, I'm like, please don't. Wh- oh my God. I can't believe you sold. The reason why they sold was that they didn't have other income and monies on the side. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes when we have these, these conversations, it's very like logic driven and very esoteric, but we forget that money is very emotional and that a lot of times people are reacting to the emotion of the moment. So I couldn't judge my relative for being freaked out because of the emotion of the moment. Yeah. And so you have to really know how do you handle the emotion of stress, the emotion of uh, not knowing what's going to happen next, which is, quite frankly, what learning about personal finance is: is managing the unknown.
0: Speaking of that, on the whole other side of that equation, Len, you must have been checking it a fair amount, thinking about wanting to retire soon.
3: Yeah, you know, you've read my mind because that's what I was going to say is, you know, up until last year, and I've written about this a couple times, I, to me, I think you should check your numbers once a year, pick a certain time. Of, you know, I always checked it on the, the last day of the year, checked all my numbers, and then I never, I didn't check them again. But right before I was getting close to retirement, now I'm checking them quite often. I'm at the fine tuning stage now. So, you know, I'm getting this is where the rubber meets the road and it's very important. Uh, as a matter of fact, because I'm doing this daily checking, I, it basically I've found out that, you know what, now I've got to work a little longer. So, <laughs> Um, and, and I mean you have to when you're close to retirement. But yeah, when you're young in your 20s and 30s and probably even your 40s, just once a year, that's it. You, you will drive yourself nuts. And it's not that important you know, at that age because you have, you have plenty of time to recover from any disasters.
0: Suzanne Lucas is the evil HR lady, and Suzanne writes for Ink Magazine, also has evilhrlady.org. Let's say hello to her right now, not on a Zoom call, but on my dad's shortwave, Suzanne Lucas. And back on my dad's shortwave, it's our good friend, the evil HR lady, Suzanne Lucas, is back. How are you? I am splendid. Well, you wrote a piece that, again, I feel like I always write you, Suzanne, and I'm like, I really want to talk about this on the show. You wrote a piece about these two hairdressers from Great Clips. And for the three people that have not read your piece, and I can't believe they (laughs) haven't, but for those people,
6: can you tell us the story? So there were these hairdressers. um, They went to work with COVID symptoms fortunately, they were wearing masks and the clients all wore masks. By the time they tested positive and got sent home, they had seen 140 clients and seven, seven staff members. The good news is two weeks later, zero of these 147 people had tested positive for COVID or had had any symptoms. And I emphasize that last part because not everybody actually took a COVID-19 test. I'm not entirely sure why not. I don't know if it was they didn't want one or if there wasn't a test available. But nobody that did take the test was positive and nobody developed symptoms. So that's great news. That's fantastic news.
0: Well, well, and that's what I want to get into because obviously it isn't called uh, the evil healthcare lady blog. This is the (laughs) evil HR lady blog. From an HR standpoint, Why is this great news?
6: Well, first of all, we're the ones making these policies on how we want things to go when people are back at work. And it's been a bit difficult with the CDC and the WHO and local guidelines. And, you know, one state says you have to wear a mask. Another state says you don't have to wear a mask. The question is, is is it worth it? Because people are kind of complaining about masks So from a policy standpoint, it's fantastic to say, look, they wore masks, the clients wore masks, and nobody got sick. But there's a negative side to this one. That is the first lady, she knew she had symptoms. She went to the doctor. The doctor said, allergies, here's some Zyrtec. She asked for a COVID test. He said, you don't qualify. I'm not giving you one. And she went back to work and I don't blame her at all. She did her due diligence. She went to the doctor and it just emphasizes to me that we really need policies that are, if you have symptoms, you have to stay home up until you've had the negative test because allergies didn't go away, but if you can't prove that it's allergies and not COVID, you really need to be at home. So in this case, instead of innocent until
0: proven guilty with this particular situation, you're saying it maybe if I'm an employer, it should be guilty until completely proven innocent.
6: It should be in this situation. And also employers need to be willing to pay sick time for that. And if you've got less than 500 people, You have to do that on a quarantine thing under the FFCRA and EFMLA. And sorry about the acronyms. I was going to say, did you just swear at
0: me? I
6: did. (laughs) FFCRA. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a family show. (laughs) (laughs) It's the problem with that one is that it's not easy to say and it doesn't have like a cool acronym. Like it's not something you can say, like OSHA, you can say.
0: Yeah, right.
6: But FFCRA. No. Family first
0: Free oh,
6: FFC, F- F- family first Corona response act. There you go. Yeah. Anyhow, those people get paid under that act. If you have less than 500 employees, I don't know how great clips falls out. Um, I don't know if they're a franchise or a corporate. I don't know.
0: I want to ask you yeah. on a couple levels uh, questions. First of all, if I'm the employee, right? Most people listening to this are employee of somebody. Uh, right. if, if I'm an employee, can I lose my job because I came into work with a fever? Can my boss fire me because I came into work with, with the disease?
6: Um, yes. Here's the thing. In normal times, if you can remember back, you know, February, <laughs> when the world was normal, way, way back, way, way, way back, 20 years, it feels like employers couldn't do any testing, medical testing on their employees. That was a big no, no. The exception was you can do it as a pre-hire physical and you can do like if someone's asking for FMLA or an accommodation of the Americans with Disabilities Act or if somebody gets injured at work and it's a workman's comp issue. Otherwise, you don't pry into my medical life and that's how it goes. Because the CDC declared this as a pandemic – The EEOC, boy, this (laughs) (laughs) I suck. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which governs the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, said that this is a direct threat. And so, what companies should be doing now is instead of saying, "You came to work when you were sick. I'm going to fire you," is that they should be certifying every day that you're healthy. And they can do that through temperature taking. They can do that through asking you, do you have a cough, fever, sore throat, whatever those COVID symptoms are, weird toes. Then you know to the best of your ability that someone is healthy. I mean, you can have COVID and be asymptomatic and you can have some symptoms without all of the symptoms because it's a freaking weird disease. But if you're doing your due diligence you're taking temperatures and you're asking those questions, you can keep it out of your workplace the best that you can.
0: It seems like also in this instance, this particular hairdresser could prove she did enough due uh, due diligence.
6: She did. She went to the doctor and the doctor sent her to work. I'm not sure I want to blame the doctor either because he's limited in who he can offer tests to. Yeah. And as I said, allergies didn't go away. People still need their Zyrtec.
0: Uh, well, and especially this time of year, right? I mean, I feel it. I go out walking or for a run and I, I, I totally am feeling yeah. allergies. Yeah. Um, on the employer side, if people had gotten sick, if I walk into a barbershop and people had gotten sick and we found out that this hairdresser had COVID, as an employer, do I have a problem? Do I have a problem with a lawsuit? Do I open myself up to a lawsuit because my employee uh, got somebody sick?
6: this I don't know. And part of the problem is this is new, right? Because I mean, the flu has been around. Nobody sued when they get the flu. We all just assume that the flu is out there and it's bad luck if you get it. But somehow we have decided to assign blame on this particular disease. Now, I will say if your employee gets it, And they can prove that they got it at work, which is going to be kind of difficult. But if they can, then that falls under workman's compensation. And so businesses are protected that way. And New Jersey was looking at some legislation to make it so that if you got COVID, the assumption was just automatic that it was at work and falls under workman's comp. But I don't know if that went through or not. The question is, is how do you prove where you got it? Yeah, because you
0: could have gotten it someplace else. I mean, unless you're just at home and just at work. But even then, I mean, unless you're by yourself all the time, it could be difficult.
6: Yeah. It it could be difficult. And Walmart has been sued. I saw that. Th- I did and, see that one. And McDonald's has been sued. I'm cynical. And of course you're going to attack those companies first because they got the deep pockets. Of course you are, but I don't think those lawsuits are going to go anywhere because at worst, it's going to be a workman's comp issue.
0: Which, by the way, here for Great Clips, another reason your headline is that this is good news for everybody because everything was avoided.
6: Everything was avoided. It's good news for Great Clips. It's good news for the employee. The the two women that were sick, I, I would feel so bad. If I got someone else sick and they died, I mean, it would be awful. I mean, it's bad enough if you died, but I think it's almost worse to kill someone else. It would be terrible. And then, of course, for all the people, they didn't get sick. So that's just amazing. It's crazy.
0: Uh, uh, We will link to this, by the way, guys, in our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. What else you got coming up, Suzanne?
6: Oh, my goodness. I am doing a lot of webinars about opening your business after with COVID. So if that's something that you're interested in, um, hop on over to HR web advisor and register for one of these webinars. And the next one is on July 8th and it will have all updated information because everything changes every day. So even though this is like the fifth time I've done this webinar, it's the fifth time I've written it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is crazy how fast things are changing.
6: It's great. I, so I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'll find out five minutes before. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for
0: the latest, most up-to-date information. Yeah. And it's and how it goes. We'll link to that as well on our show notes page. Suzanne, thanks for hanging out with us again and talking about what's some
6: good news for everybody here. Yeah, it's great news. It's great news. Hey there, trivia
1: fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor Doug, bringing your thrice weekly look into the life of a star. Me. Okay, here's where we're at. Sadly, none of you stackers bit and took me up on my offer this past Wednesday to take Joe and OG off my hands. So those two clowns have still been all up in my grill. But luck is with me as it turns out today is National Canoe Day. So what better way to create some distance between me and the rest of the basement gang than enjoying some of the beautiful scenery here in Detroit? Okay, wait, did the guy from Phoenix, Arizona who writes these shows just write me a joke ripping on Detroit? Not this time, Desert Boy. Not this time, man. Joe and I are both gonna get you back for this one. Anywho, let's continue with this farce. Yeah, great writing, Desert Boy. I think Joe's mom has a canoe in the garage that she won't even notice is gone. And since I've been holed up for quite a while, I think it's time for a little trip up the river. In fact, I'm so ready to get out on the water that I just might even set the canoeing record. Which brings us to today's trivia question. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, what is the longest canoe trip ever? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can say. Man overboard!
0: Well, for those of you who are new to this show, we've been playing a year-long trivia contest between our regular contributors, Len, Paula Pant, and my co-host, OG. And today, I guess, Michelle, you'll play on behalf of Paula. Paula has six points. Doc, since you guys share G's, Doc G and OG, (laughs) you'll be OG today. You've got eight, and Len's in the lead with nine, which means... Michelle slash Paula, you get to decide first. Do you want to guess first or do you want to guess in the middle or do you want to wait and guess last after you hear what these two clowns say?
5: I'm going to guess last.
0: Yeah. I didn't rig that by the way. I asked the question, did I at all? (laughs) (laughs) All right. And, and, uh, doc, do you want to go middle or first? Middle please. Doc is in the middle, which means Len, you're kicking this off. Longest. Canoe trip ever? I, and I, the answer here is going to be in miles. Well, this has got to be a trick question.
3: Has to be a trick question. Okay, so first I'm thinking, well, what river? You know, what's a really long
0: river um, that's even navigable? Is it is it nonstop? Or is not- a nonstop trip? And I don't think I don't think it, he didn't say anything about one river, so it can go. You know, he can. Canoe I mean, wherever there's water. This might be a trick question with a guy canoed across the
3: ocean. I, you know what? And I think it might be something that crazy. So I'm going to just pick. Since I'm going first, I'm going to pick a ridiculous number, anyways. I'm going to say four thousand miles.
0: Four thousand miles sets the stage, Doc.
4: I have no clue. But if 4,000 is ridiculous, let's go with 7,000 for no other reason than it's another number higher. You are crazy, Doc G. Well, I'm messing it up. For, see, I always figure I'm messing it up for OG. I mean, I can't go wrong here.
0: <laughs> I love the, usually we have a big thought process around these answers. And today's just a wild dart throwing contest. So Michelle, you've got 4,000 and 7,000. Where do you come down on this one? 1,321 miles. Which sounds Ah. very scientific.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I intuit that that's the right number to share.
0: Well, you live in like the great outdoors, right? I mean, you're there in the Rocky Mountain area. So I'm (laughs) thinking maybe, maybe Michelle, do you canoe much? I I do canoe, but not often. And and probably not 1,300 miles. No. 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 So the record wasn't set by Michelle. We know that. All All right. But we don't know. We don't know what the answer is. And I'd love to tell you right now, but we're going to make you wait. So we'll be right back.
1: The following is an actor, not a real person. We tried to find an actual Stacking Benjamins podcast listener, but we're not sure any exist.
5: Yesterday, I turned on one
4: of those other podcasts. Ugh, more money talk. The topic was something called long-term care,
5: and they couldn't even make me care for the short
4: term. That podcast made me feel like just another number.
1: Hi, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, the huge star of the award-winning Stacking Benjamin Show. Are you tired of podcasts that blabber on about money? Are you confused about all this IRA, SEPP, 72T, and fiduciary talk? At Stacking Benjamins, you're not just another number to us. Heck, if you actually listen, you're the only number. That's why we barely ever talk about money. Better yet, we treat you like family. We'll invite you on down to Joe's mom's basement, serve you some pie and maybe even a little lemonade. And best yet, when you leave, we'll complain about you behind your back because that's what real family moments are all about.
5: I'm never going back to that old podcast. Stacking Benjamins is a way for
4: me to avoid numbers and feel that warm, fuzzy feeling I get every
6: time I scream at my sister on the phone.
1: Stacking Benjamins, where you're not a number. Your family.
0: All right. Uh, Len, you set the stage at 4,000 miles. Nobody went close to that one. Doc went way higher. Michelle went way lower. You've got a lot of room for a guy that well, went I'm, first. I, I think I won this one. I, I think, Michelle, you made a mistake
3: there, girlfriend. <laughs> oh, you, that's
0: right. You should have did 3,999. <laughs> And you could have, she could have Chelsea breaded you, decided not to. Uh, Doc, you're up in there at 7,000 miles. I believe, how long is it from coast to coast? Like 43 is it like 4,300 miles? I think, off the top of my head. So, seven, <laughs> I have no clue, no idea.
4: <laughs> uh, my
0: wheelhouse, I think so, maybe 3,000 miles. Dunton, not sure. If only there were a place I could look that up right now, but I'm too lazy to do that. But 7,000 miles. And Michelle, the oddly specific 1,321 miles. <laughs> All right. We've got our answers locked in. Doug, tell us what the answer is. Hey, Stackers. It's been quite the
1: accomplishment, I must say, but I'm actually recording this on a radio remotely from the Blue Heron Lagoon here in scenic Detroit, Michigan. I'll tell you, it was a ton of work hoisting Joe's mom's canoe onto the old trusty El Camino in the last 90 seconds and getting all the way out here. But because of the magic of podcasting, I managed to pull it off without any help from Joe's mom. Which brings us to today's trivia question, which was this. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, what is the longest canoe trip ever? Would you believe that on June 1st, 1980, Don Starkle of Winnipeg and his two sons, Dana and Jeff, set out to paddle all the way to coastal Brazil via the Mississippi River, the Gulf of Mexico, the Amazon and Orinoco Rivers in South America. They canoed a total of 12,181 miles. Now that is a lot of miles. wonder if they were also escaping Joe's mom's window washing duty. Okay, I got to get back to my canoeing if I stand a chance of topping that record. See ya. I'm vindicated. I'm vindicated, I'm vindicated. Yeah. Doc. And you're wh- supposed to sabotage OG, what? not
0: win it for him. Joe, did they go back afterwards? Did they turn <laughs> around and go back and go like 24,000 miles? <laughs> yeah. What if they got there and that Starbucks was closed? <laughs> like, what do you do, What do you do then? Oh, that's horrible. Nice job, Doc. Good work. It would be Tim Hortons anyway, because they're Canadian. That is true. Yeah. Okay. Can, Get can, it you, right. can you see a Canadian? Good point. You can see a Canadian look around for a Tim Hortons in Brazil. <laughs> like might not, might not be one there. Who knows? It could be a worldwide company. Hey, let's uh congratulations, but first of all, let's congratulate Doc. Nice work. And that pulls OG Very into a good tie. Work. Uh, I must say, though, that you were still wrong by (laughs) 5,000 miles. I thought thought mine was crazy. I thought Doc's was just (laughs) off the charts. Just not even there. Hey, let's take out the magnifying glass, guys, and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. Michelle, you know what happens when you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney?
5: Uh... (laughs) Suffered. So I good. No idea. That is
0: so great. <laughs> our, our sponsors are going to love you. Thank you very much.
6: I feel pressure.
0: <laughs> when you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnified money, Jackson, what you find <laughs> is that those financial products you use every day from your brick and mortar bank, nowhere near the best in class because over 92% of the stuff available, Michelle. Is all ranked at magnifymoney.com. So you can do better with your checking account, better with your savings account, better with student loan debt, whatever it is, stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. And we love it when we hear people that have a great experience. So I'm sure you're going to do that right away now, Michelle, just I to am. vindicate yourself. <laughs> today, today we're uh, going to help Jeff with his money. Say hi, Jeff.
3: Hi. I had a question on the rebalancing for the tips to fix your 401k. If you rebalance on a yearly basis, are you getting taxed or are you paying for extra fees every time you rebalance? Um, I didn't catch that in the show and I was wondering if you guys could help answer that for me. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thanks for that question, Jeff. And actually, I didn't ask. I didn't want all three of you to answer that question for me because actually we can answer that question because none of you guys were on that episode. But I did want to talk about rebalancing in general because we recently did the show about four hundred one k's and fixing your retirement funds. And I'm wondering for the three of you, how often you rebalance your stuff. Len, how often do you rebalance when it comes to your four hundred one k plan and IRAs? Not too
3: often, maybe a few times. Generally quarterly, I guess i do a rebalance. Where I work, uh, you are allowed to rebalance or reallocate. Uh, as long as you wait 15 calendar days, calendar days, not business days, and there's no fee. Let's say you go crazy and you want to do it every week, or you know you almost want to act treat your 401k like you're day trading. They do charge a fee, and I think it's it's like 1.5 percent or something very punitive. So you got to be careful and read the rules for your 401k.
0: You know what they? That's great advice, by the way. You know what they call that fee, Len? Have you seen what they call it? An idiot fee? Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I was going to say they call it the you need a better hobby fee. But yes, an idiot fee. Yeah, please, please don't day trade your 401k. But I'm sure you know guys at work probably or or anybody at work who does that at my work, there never used to be a fee
3: and there were, the problem was too many people were day trading their 401ks and I guess the administrator whoever runs that show said, you know what, enough, you know, we're going to have to do something to stop it.
5: So that's what happened.
0: Michelle, Lem went with quarterly. How often do you rebalance? I
5: have not really been in the habit of doing it. It it would be like once a, a year, every other year, which is terrible. However, I've been in a debt freedom journey, so I've been aggressively paying off debt, and now I'm at the point where I've freed up quite a bit of cash to invest for the future. So I am looking to do it a little more often moving forward. One, because I'm, I, you know, uh, each year you get older, <laughs> and so you have to be a little more mindful and a little bit more aware of what is happening uh, with. You know your savings and investments. So I'll be honest; I, I have not been obsessed about it because I've been obsessed with something else.
0: But the experts in this piece said not to obsess about it. In fact, it was a piece from Kiplinger that we were talking about, and they suggested once a year was enough, was just enough. So Lennick Cordley is still uh, rebalancing and reallocating more often than the than the average person really, really needs to. So. It's good, but I would expect no lesser, Mr. Penza. overachiever. They say do it once, he'll do it four times. Doc, how about you, man? Well, I think people, you have to remember the power of
4: contributions. So a lot of times I decide to balance with my contributions in the first place so that I don't have to shift money around from one fund to another. So a lot of times, especially if it's my 401k, but I'll do this with my whole portfolio taxable or not taxable is every time I have new contributions or I'm putting in a percentage of my 401k or pension for that year. I will look and see where I'm at. And that also helps assure that I buy low, right? So if bonds happen to be really low that day or that month, I know that what I decide to buy because my bond allocation is too low because their cost went down means I'm buying at the bottom.
0: Well, and that's the answer, Jeff, by the way, to your question is that inside a taxable account, when you shift assets, you will pay a tax if you made money. So now you can use some of the losses against that. You want to talk to your tax preparer about how that all works. However, inside a taxable account, that's why a method like DOCS works really well, where instead you're adding money to the thing that's low so that you're not paying all this tax unnecessarily to just move money around inside your 401k or your IRA none of those taxes exist. They're, they're sheltered from all that. So you don't have to worry about it. So that, that answers it. That's interesting. Thanks for those answers, guys. That's why I really wanted to bring this to here real world. And I love how we got three different ways of doing it. That's pretty awesome. If you've got a question for us, head to com forward slash voicemail. And uh, we will put that question to the team and we'll also send you a stacky benjamin circus greatest money show on earth t-shirt because you were brave enough to send us a voicemail nice job jeff that's gonna do it for today guys thanks so much for playing we will let the guest of honor go last so today let's start with mr penzo what's happening at that amazing website the persistent (laughs) itch.com
3: yes the persistent itch
0: i've got uh
3: some financial tips that everyone should consider when they're thinking about becoming a stay-at-home mom, and that's for the couples that are out there. Things to think about. there are some, you know, it's it's not a decision that should be taken lightly. and uh, I'm speaking from experience here as uh, uh, the honeybee has been a stay-at-home mom for she quit her job as a bankruptcy paralegal many years ago, but uh, not before we, you know we've looked it over and decided, you know, made, it had some things we had to look at first, just before I know. we made
0: a decision. I know, in my immediate friend circles, uh, several, uh, several stay-at-home dads now too. So, stay-at-home, certainly, of course, stay yes, stay-at-home yes. stay absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Doc, what's going on at Earn and Invest, man?
4: Well, we just dropped yesterday an episode from Liz from Frugalwood, and I'm really excited about the conversation. It's about how. Things change as you move forward in your financial lives. It's about facing things you didn't expect to happen. She talks a lot about having depression and getting treated for it. And we also talk about loosening the reins, a little bit of what we talked about on this episode, when you realize that as time goes on, you can let go of some of those frugal habits to create a better life.
0: Man, there's, there's uh there's slightly a little bit there which is just like talking to Liz Dems in the first place, man. Her, her book is one of the best books I've read. It's a fantastic, fantastic read. Michelle, you're nodding your head.
5: I love everything about what she does. So I'm disagreeing.
0: Well, yeah, she's a real pleasure to talk to. I mean, just,
4: uh, you know, there's certain people who you get into a conversation and like you want to write down everything they say. Yeah. Because it's just so right so much and, and you know, so mind blowing. She's that kind of person. So it was a really great conversation.
0: That's why I find her annoying is because she says the right thing all the time. (laughs) Because I have never been able to do that. No, I'm kidding, Liz. It's it's awesome. Michelle, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. My cheeks hurt from all the laughing. (laughs) I was, I was just, when you cracked up about the persistent itch, I have to say, before we find out what's happening at Michelle's Money Hungry, Len, that joke has been around so long. There's people listening that have no idea that that's even a joke, that the persistent itch <laughs> is true. not, not a real website, guys. We've been playing that stupid game for a long time. And
3: you know what? My cheeks are sore too, but it's the other
0: cheeks. Oh boy. <laughs> that's because of the Chipotle joke we had earlier. Oh, <laughs> It's not good. Not great. Yes. Michelle, Michelle's like, thanks. I'm never coming back, but what's, (laughs) what's happening at Michelle's money hungry.
5: You know, I'm continuing to have conversations with people who are monetizing what they already know and selling it online. That's an area that I am endlessly intrigued by and considering that, you know, we're home because of a pandemic, it feels very timely and interesting. And so I'm loving sharing those stories on my podcast.
0: Well, back in regular days, you even do events based on that.
5: Yes, uh, but no in-person events until like next year. But yeah, I love having these conversations and bringing people together. And um, I, I don't feel like hosting a socially distant one. So we'll, we'll do it next year.
0: Well, and we'll link to Michelle is money hungry and to earn and invest and to not the persistent itch, but Lenpenzo.com. dot com. On our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. That doesn't just do it for this for today or for this week. That does it for this eight weeks, guys. Next week, we're going to have three of our favorite past episodes we call Rewind Episodes. The Fintern is here with those. And OG and I are back with a new episode just over a week from now. We're going to talk about George Washington as entrepreneur. John Burlaw joins us, historian John Burlaw. We're going to talk about uh, a whole different aspect of George Washington that you might not have known about all right doug you've got it from here man What should we have learned today so what should we have learned today first
1: take a lesson from the round table if you want to be interesting then you must first be interested tell me about it might be the magic words to help you click with more people in social situations second take a lesson from suzanne lucas aka the evil hr lady own a business and worried about coronavirus Best to keep up to date in these uncertain times. But the big takeaway? When you're trying to break the record for the longest canoe journey ever, don't lose your paddle. Now, I've literally gotten myself up a creek without a paddle. Joe's mom predicted this all along. Son of a. Big thanks to Michelle from Michelle is Money Hungry for joining us on the roundtable. You can find Michelle at michelleismoneyhungry.com or we're going to have a link in you know where. Also thanks to Suzanne Lucas, a.k.a. the Evil HR Lady, for showing us more thoughts from her the HR department. You can check her work out at evilhrlady.org or on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Len Penzo appears courtesy of LenPenzo.com and ThePersistentItch.com. This show is created by Joe Salcihi, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter, at SBenjamin'sCast, or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm a lot deeper than you realize. In fact, sometimes I just stand in front of my mirror and reflect. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor.
0: Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. What happens here uh stays here. OG wanted to be a part of this story, but uh, he actually brought this to our attention. But we've been holding it forever and we just have never found the time. And I think now is the time, guys. So sorry, OG. <laughs> He's not here for it. fantastic. Well, let us the end of the eight weeks. I'm gonna hold it for another for another week and a half if we we've been holding this forever, but this is yeah. This is a piece by Bryce Sanders. These four words will make you the life of the party. And he says, here's an easy trick to draw people out in social settings. And, uh, the four words, by the way, are tell me about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. But we thought, because we're financial geeks, there's better four words to bring people out. Like go up to people at a party and say, I sell life insurance. (laughs) it's amazing Michelle how you have that part of the room to yourself immediately (laughs) just immediately like having trouble getting a table at a restaurant I sell life insurance is a great one so I'm wondering if you guys have like series of words that might not make you the life of a party how about this one I just I just clear (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) on that note led how about i i am lactose intolerant (laughs) i see a theme building here michelle
5: i totally am i already said i was lactose intolerant whatever
0: (laughs) (laughs) i've got another one why michelle thinks so one how about this one i just cleared bail (laughs) That one will go over well. Uh, Can I borrow money? Exactly.
3: I was just going there, Joe. I was just going. I was
0: just going there. Is it a loan or a
5: gift? That might be five.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Loan or a gift.
3: Yeah. How about I hope you like liver and onions? Hey,
5: that can be good if you, you know, like liver. Just saying.
0: My mom. my mom used to make that growing up, and I haven't had it in a long time. Yeah,
5: I, I used to love it, but now I don't really eat meat anymore, so maybe that's why. <laughs> I
0: think it smells great, but boy, I, I mean, you start <sighs> it, it does
5: not smell. Great. You think what it
0: smells? Are you about? What? The, yeah, what? with liver and onions. Yeah, I do. I'm with Michelle. What the hell's wrong with you, Penzo? <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> it smells like anyway. It doesn't smell good, but tastes good. <laughs>
0: Led's like, does this smell
3: like mold? Mm. This sounds like the 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 blue jacket gray jacket thing, Michelle. See so you're you see blue and I see gray.
5: Oh god. Is this on you? That's a good one. Is this on you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Are you paying?
0: Are you paying? That's yeah, yeah, Yeah. That's a is good this one. on you? Yes. Or or thank you for paying before they <laughs> offer, right? <laughs> I appreciate you paying. Yes. I have no cash. When you show up at the, when you show up to dinner, that's good.
5: Especially if you're on a first date and it's the guy, not that you guys would, well, anyway, I've never had this happen, but having the guy be like, Oh, I I forgot my wallet. That's painful.
0: (laughs) I, I, I told this story a long time ago. I had forgotten my wallet at the office at the end of the night and I was taking clients to dinner after our meeting, but I realized that I had my debit card in the car, so I was okay. I didn't realize that my dad had written me a check for a refrigerator that he had purchased from me, and through a series of transactions, his money didn't end up being any good. Which is which is not my dad, by the way. His check's always clear. His check didn't clear, which made my bank account negative. My bank account is never negative. I'm out with these clients. I go to pick up the tab and the waiter comes, the waiter comes back after, you know, I, I just casually, we're having a great discussion. We've had food, we've had wine, things are going great. I put my debit card on there. The waiter comes back with it. And I don't know, I've heard stories where the waiter will like take you aside or we'll do something. This, this guy just, (laughs) this guy just comes right up to me in front of my clients and goes, Yeah, your card was declined. I tried to run it twice. Do you got another way to pay? Oh Oh my
5: God. Oh man. Well, how did you end up paying? Like how did,
0: what happened? I asked my clients, DJ and Lisa, (laughs) nice people. (laughs) I told them, I said, there's two things that can happen. I can run back to my office and get my wallet where my credit card is. I have no idea what's going on with my bank account. Or number two, you guys can buy, and I'll pay you back. And they bought, and I sent them a check the next day. It was oh. just—it was so unbelievably bad. I'm like, yeah, I'm that's your finance, almost- I'm your financial planner, and my my card doesn't clear. That's just—that's that's almost as good as the one with you and your dad at the Pizza Hut. <laughs> Michelle hasn't heard that story.
5: <laughs> I to hear the story now.
0: Yeah. So. I was maybe eight, and my brother was six and uh my dad we went out we went we celebrate Christmas, my dad always goes out at the last minute to get Christmas gifts, so it's Christmas Eve, and he always by the way would always say he'd he'd take us into a store like j c Penny or Sears, and it was never will your mom like this gift? It was always. <laughs> Do you think your mom would be offended if I bought her an iron? It was never Whoa. looking for it was it was never looking for the good gift. It was looking for the good enough gift. You know what I mean? The one cuz cuz my dad wanted to be in a store for about 37 seconds. So the mall closed at noon and we're all hungry so we go to this high-end place called Pizza Hut. Not sure if you're, you're familiar with it. So we uh we sit down and we eat this supreme pizza. And we get done and the bill comes and my dad, my dad puts his hand down, you know, where his wallet would be by his right cheek. And then (laughs) there's nothing there. So he goes over and presses on his left cheek. Then he rummages around his coat because it's December in Michigan rummages around his coat. And then he kind of looks around and I don't know what's going on. I'm eight years old. My dad's just checking all his pockets for stuff. And then my dad, Michelle leans forward And he says to my little brother, he goes, Tony, here's what, (laughs) here's, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go into the bathroom and count to 10 and then leave the bathroom and go out to the car and sit in the (laughs) backseat. And my brother's like, why dad? Why? He goes, just do it. So my, so, so my brother, this is a horrible story. This was a long, I actually, just as an aside, I told this story at my dad's uh, retirement party and he was pissed. My dad was so mad. I told this story. So anyway, so my brother goes in the bathroom and then we see him a few, you know, a minute later comes out and he goes in and out the pizza window, you see him get in the back of the car and he's just sitting there. And then my dad leans forward and he goes, okay, Joey, here's what I need you to do. I want you to go in the bathroom and count to ten. <laughs> and then go, oh, go out of the bathroom, sit in the back seat of the car. I, and I'm like, why, Dad? He goes, just do it <laughs> so I go in the bathroom I count to 10 I come back out don't even look at my dad I just go back out and I sit in the back I, my brother and I are sitting in the back of the car Michelle we're like what the hell's going on all of a sudden the pizza door rams open my dad comes running out busted ass as fast as he can <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And the picture of you three are still on the wall. That <laughs> it pizza is still. <laughs> to, this, to this day, we can't eat at the Kalamazoo Pizza Hut. <laughs> well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have.